Hello, friends. If you're new, welcome to the show. If you're not new, welcome back to Convo by Design. This journey of ours, yours and mine, in search of amazing design, art, architecture, and furnishings, we're in our ninth year now, and I am thrilled that you're joining me for another episode. This week, I'm speaking with Luis Murillo of LMD Architecture. This Bogota, Colombia-born architect moved his family to Los Angeles in 1997 and opened his own firm in 2010. Luis is the exemplification of the American dream, or at least what the idea of the American dream is supposed to represent. South American influence is nothing new to Southern California. It takes a special architect to not just understand space, time, and place, but honor all three when you have both historical significance and arguably the world's greatest canvas upon which to work. Luis respects the past and allows his upbringing in Colombia and love for space to guide his design regardless of style, traditional, mid-century, or modern. The art takes first chair. My hope is that by introducing you to new talent, it will influence your work. It will allow you to strive for greatness and perhaps think about your own work a little differently. This is architect Luis Murillo. For well over a year now, you have been hearing incredible conversations, interviews, and panels with amazing creative talent as part of our Wellness and Design Thought Leadership series presented by Thermosol. It has been and continues to be an absolute joy working with the entire team at Thermosol from the top down. This multi-generational family business has been producing the gold standard in steam generators, saunas, steam showers, and steam shower accessories for decades. Thermosol is the original steam shower with technology that is state-of-the-art, made and manufactured in the United States. The company's history with steam showers started by David Altman in 1958. Murray Altman acquired Thermosol's steam bath division in 1989, and the company is now led by Mitch Altman from their world-class production facility in Round Rock, Texas. The most successful designers and architects are using steam showers to maximize wellness, relaxation, and enjoyment for their clients. Thermosol is a staunch advocate for the design trade, and I am so proud to have them as a presenting partner of Convo by Design and the Wellness and Design Thought Leadership Series. If not familiar with the entire range of Thermosol products, please check out thermosol.com. And I, and I wanted to find out... so. I love the origin story when it comes to design, because I, I also feel like it's not, you know, we don't live in a vacuum. You don't design in a, in a tube, right? It's, it's your background and your experience that you draw from that sort of lends to your creative influence. Can you start back? You're from Colombia, Bogota, yes? Yes. Um, when did you know that you wanted to be an architect? And, and when you moved to the States, sort of were you you had already gone to school for this. So when you came to LA, you were, you were already ready to go. Yeah. Yes. Um, you know, it's uh, interesting because um, I mean, growing up, I was uh, always a very creative, free spirited person, but um, I wasn't sure that necessarily architecture was going to be my, my passion. Um, life 
starts evolving. I was uh, I wanted to be an engineer because all my uh, my uh, dad's uh, friends were engineers. So I felt drawn to engineering. I felt that I was that would be interesting, and I thought, oh, I could design bridges. I could come up with new uh, roads and. <laughs> And then I went to engineering school and I just didn't, I don't know, I didn't feel that that was something that I had a passion for. However, everything that had to do with uh, um, abstract stuff, drafting, geometry, all of that, creating new figures, combining different elements, geometric elements, that was all those things were or came so easy to me. I'm like, well, maybe I should look at something else. And uh, um, well, in Colombia, the school that I went to, the two faculties, the two buildings were close to each other. So I would go by the studios and see all these architecture students doing their thing. I'm like, hmm, okay, I, I, that sounds like, that looks like something that I, uh, that I feel more attracted to. And the minute I switched to architecture, it just, it was like you jump on a train and you just go. And it, throughout my five years of, um, of uh, um, architectural studies in Colombia, it just, they went so quickly. I was having so much fun. So I knew that then I knew, okay, this is, <laughs> this is what I was uh, meant to do. So um, I met a friend uh, in Colombia, an architect friend. She was living in San Francisco. And by the time, this was 1996, I had graduated from architecture school in 1994. And I was helping my friend doing some houses in Baja California and doing some homes in Colombia. And I told her she was visiting in Colombia at the time. Hey, Ana Maria, do you know of something? Um, an opportunity, I would love to uh, move to the States. Sure enough, a couple of months later, this friend of hers who lives in Marina del Rey here in California, he called me and told me, hey, my friend told me that you want to move up here and we have a lot of, we have a lot of work, so why don't you try this? So yes, I moved to California already knowing that I was going to be working in architecture. <laughs> That was a long uh, preamble to answer your question. So, yeah. No, I, I, I love that. Here's what's interesting, too. And it's funny because um, Manhattan Beach is home for me. And, okay. and it's, it's interesting because for the last probably six months so far, I'm working on a design house project in Tulsa, Oklahoma. So I'm, I'm pretty much as far away from Manhattan Beach figuratively, philosophically, and right. uh, design-wise as one could possibly be. But what's really interesting is as I was preparing for our conversation and I was looking at your projects, I didn't really, I didn't realize that you did so much work in the, in the South Bay. And I wanted to ask you about that because I, I find these conversations um, and I've worked with a couple of, I've spoken with a couple of architects in who, who specialize in the South Bay, you know, your skills have to be so strong to work in a city like Manhattan Beach or even Santa Monica where you have other projects or Hermosa because the regulations in California are so strict. And in addition to, to the regulations that you have to work with, you have very tiny footprints 
you're very close to one another, um, to the other houses. In many cases, the properties, you know, you have to take into account certain engineering things. Like if you're working next to somebody else to putting, putting up a retaining wall, because these foundations, the closer to the strand you get are built on sand. There are so many things to consider outside of the design itself. I'm, I'm curious what you like about that. It would be so much easier to, to work further inland or to work in other areas, but I guess that's where, that's where the clients are. So that's where you work. Right. Um, yeah, it's interesting because uh, I didn't grow up by the, uh, uh, by the ocean. I grew up in Bogota, which is up in the mountains. And I, uh, since I was very young, I was a child, I, I loved the ocean. It was uh, every time my dad said that we went, were going to, uh, to a vacation and we were going to the coast, I would be like so uh, ecstatic, excited, you know, excited. So, well, that's life. You know, things happen. I ended up living in, in uh, Los Angeles, um, two miles from the coast. And guess what? I get to work near the ocean. Uh, all of things and never in my life I thought I was going to be working designing homes near the ocean so that is one thing I go there and so mentally ocean palm trees to me means vacation it's, it's a weird it's a weird thing I, I just feel relaxed I feel peaceful I, I just I just enjoy it very much and um, as far as uh, working in uh, small communities, uh, I go to the building department in Hermosa Beach or Manhattan Beach, even Torrance, and they know me by first name. Hey, Luis, how are you? And, and I find that I have a very good, um, I mean, I do have a very good relationship with everyone at the city from the clerk to the guy the planning department or building and safety so to me it, co it comes very easy to work in those uh, smaller communities not to say that i don't have a, such a good time working in, in los angeles but that's a larger you know building department uh, office there's many people that go there that go there so i don't feel as familiar <laughs> working in LA as I feel in Manhattan or Hermosa. Um, and yeah, I mean, uh, uh, there's a lot of challenges. You are right, you start digging for a basement on property that is 30 foot wide and there's another one right next to you. And so you have to be very careful as to how you dig. So there's a lot of consultants that get involved in the process, the shoring guy, the concrete guy the uh, dewatering specialist, you know, uh, so you have to just talk to the right people. Well, in addition to that, I think it's, I think what's so interesting about it too, is you, what you were touching on before about have, communicating with the internal mechanism within the building department and building and safety and, and design review. And when you're working with cities, it's so important to have those relationships. And I, and I, I feel like it's a, it's a lost art to those outside of small communities who have to, who have to work within. You see someone come from, from outside in thinking that they're gonna do design the same way that they've done it in Los Angeles. And they come into a Manhattan Beach, Hermosa Beach or El Segundo or Santa Monica and, and it's not the case. 
I think that it is a lost art being able to communicate and work within the the city government structure, right? Right, right. Um, you know, um, it's uh, communicating. That's a good uh, a good um, trade. You have to. Uh, I mean, you have you have to understand that uh, these are people were people that were behind counters. They are talking to lots of different different people during the day, and not everyone who approaches a city is a nice or as uh, eloquent. And they are all very demanding. And my project is first, and you are there behind the counter to help me. So uh, that's when I feel that. You know, you have to approach the the cities, so whatever city you work at, you have to approach them with a with a a very good amount of respect for what they do, and be friendly and and understand that we are all human beings, and we are we can all be having bad days, and you don't have to be so demanding. And <laughs> I don't know, it is an art just talking to people and 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 try to obtain the information that you need to push your project for the forward without demanding uh, for for answers just asking politely and uh, for, for those answers yeah but yeah. And, and what's interesting too is even so you don't always get what you need and I bring this up because I think it is a very big part of the industry right now and I also think that um, it's not something that gets discussed a great deal. And in conjunction with that, things are about to get more difficult. You know, the state of California and the state of New York are looking at, you know, outright bans of natural gas hookups. That really affects the manner in which designers design. I think as California in particular, with the, with the water struggles and just mere supply, it gets more challenging. How as an architect, do you not only stay on top of your aesthetic and your style and your design, but also the regulations that keep tightening that you have to now deal with that you may not have had to deal with in the past? Um, you know, I, um, I mean, it all comes down to, um, to, uh, their natural resources and how respectful you are when, uh, or not respectful, but how careful you are when you are specifying materials. Um, I have, I mean, when you design for a residence, uh, I mean, uh, Title 24 regulations, energy regulations, yes, they are a lot more strict these days. And it all uh, comes down to specifying and to working with the right uh, materials that uh, preserve the you know the uh, the uh, ambience temperature within the building without using a lot of air conditioning or heating. So, so yes, the city has become or the cities rather the state has have become a lot more strict in California as far as preserving the natural resources, and it all comes down to designing an uh, a, a, an efficient building. It hasn't been so much about the what you mentioned the water specifically, but it's about how much energy your uh, 
structure needs to sustain itself and is is about reducing the amount of energy that is required to keep your uh, structure uh, within a certain range of temperature without just running your systems full on all the time. So yeah, it is more strict, but I don't find that, that it has uh, greatly affect the uh, architectural quality uh, of the of the projects. Yes, you have to. The glass has to be uh, dual glazing. You have to limit the amount of fenestration that you have on certain facades of your building. But on a um, on a performance basis, you can most times uh, get the aesthetics that you're looking for while still complying with all the regulations. That has been my experience th thus far. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to challenge you on, on this assertion, not because I think what you said was, was incorrect, uh -huh. but I, here's what I find so interesting. I mentioned that I'm, I'm in Tulsa, Oklahoma. You know, right. I've been here for, for six months. This is literally the wild, wild west. Um, when it comes to regulations, there seem to be very few. <laughs> if, you, if you want something done, you can pretty much get it done. Um, there, are, there, are no, there are no real constraints to what architects or designers can do here or what homeowners want to do here. And I feel like, I mean, tell me I'm completely off base here, but I feel like those types of restrictions based on real need force creatives to work a certain way, to streamline to a certain way, to have a greater respect. If you don't have to, if you don't have to design for water reclamation, if you don't have to design for noise abatement, if you don't have to design around certain elements, you, you, you almost don't have that, that type of respect for the things that you're protecting and you don't have, because you don't have to design that way. It's not, I don't want to say it's not as thoughtful, but it doesn't have to be as thoughtful. And so I'm, I'm curious if you feel like that's sort of something that you just don't think about anymore because it is so highly regulated. You know, for example, there, there are people in that I know of, I've spoken to designers who have clients that, that, you know, they buy their toilets in Nevada or Arizona and go pick their toilets or, or their water fixtures up in Nevada, Arizona, and then drive them back into California because it, it skirts, it skirts the laws and it skirts the regulations. But you as a, as a designer, when you're working with somebody from the city and they come in to sign off on a project, you, you have to show that you're, you're, you're adhering to the regulations. It must make it much harder to design. Okay, so that is uh, totally uh, true. Um, the, so two things. Number one, because all of uh, the projects that I have been working on for the past 20 plus years have been in California, in this area, I am used to those regulations. So yes, they are more strict now, but it just comes as a second nature to know that I just know that how the toilets that I specify have to be this 
specific the, the water consumption cannot exceed this or that i cannot do more than one shower head or in a in a bathroom because it's not allowed to do two so there are things that are ingrained already in my design habits so i don't think too much about it <laughs> it's not like i have to i have a list of things in front of me uh, as far as regulations that i have to follow that is all already in here because I've been using it this whole time. That's that's one thing. Now, a different thing is when your client approaches you and it happens often that, well, I know that I'm not supposed to do rain heads in my shower, but that's what I want. And us for and it is a challenge for us as, as architects or designers uh, because uh, we want to be respectful of the uh, regulations. We want to protect the environment. And we also want to make our clients um, understand why it is a good thing to approach design or approach the specifications from the uh, conservation mentality. Not all of them are as accepting. Uh, and yes, some of them opt for uh, bring their fixtures from other uh, parts of the country that are not, uh, that regulations are different. But uh, for the most part, I try to show them the benefits. Just to give you an example, um, not many years ago, let's say, six to eight years ago, LED was, the light temperature wasn't as, there weren't as many options as there are today. So there would be, some lighting designers would produce uh, drawings for approval that would show compliance. And then they had provisions to switch out the bulbs later to a light that um, had better temperature. But most good professionals have done the uh, or, or work towards finding fixtures that have the light temperature that works and or it may not be exactly what the client wants, but it gets very close to the point that makes the client feel comfortable just going with that fixture that complies and not having to switch out things later. It's just something that it is a constant uh, struggle. Just how do we marry regulation with our client's um, expectations or needs? It's not I, <laughs> no, it's it's not. But I think but I think it's interesting, too, because it it's with certain regulations in certain areas, it is getting more important that you have to, you know, adhere to those. And I'm and it's not just about toilets and light bulbs, but it's in yeah. the actual it's in the actual building. You know, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about is to to sort of find out how your thought process has changed you know, the, the events over the past two years have changed pretty much everything 
from everyone I know about the way that we live, the manner in which we live, the way we work, what we do, how we do it, and nothing more glaring than the how we live. And, you know, our homes are being asked, you know, we're, we're tasking our homes to do so much more. Um, and architects and designers are, you know, what I have found is really kind of struggling to keep up with all of the demand, need, and inability to get material in a timely manner. Those three things don't necessarily uh, comport. I'm curious in the last two years, how has that changed both what clients are asking you for and how you design? Um, it's um, uh, also very interesting. Uh, we are going, I don't think that we have uh, fully adapted to the new pace of life yet. And when I say pace of life, I mean the pace in which construction projects progress. Um, just to give you uh, an example, I'm reviewing shop drawings for a project right now. Before, the way we used to do things was, at least for certain products, is you wait until your home is framed, you measure your window openings, and then you order your all your doors and windows, and you know they will come in six to eight weeks and everything is going to be fine. And the windows are going to fit perfectly and we're, we're, it's all good. Well, now with you know, uh, lead times for certain products of 20 weeks, 25 weeks or more, there's, it isn't just possible to, to say, well, let's frame the house and then let's wait 20 weeks until the windows <laughs> come in. So yes, we have to adapt on that end. Like, okay, well, then we need to, so I'm reviewing shop drawings. We are still doing foundation, but I am approving shop drawings knowing that we have to order the windows an inch smaller or or maybe more to allow for cer certain certain tolerances. So we don't want the window to come in too big. We want it to, if it comes too small, then we need to design this, uh, uh, mold this trim piece to go around the window so it looks, you know, you know what I mean? So there's some uh, some adaptation or, or the understanding that that we may need to adjust later uh, so that everything looks perfect. It will not probably, the, that product specifically about doors and windows will not come to fit exactly the opening, but it will be close enough to the point that it will work from the aesthetic and the design standpoint. So we have to we have to learn to be a little bit more accepting for one, uh, to be more flexible with our designs. Uh, when it comes to timing, I think if we have all if we have learned something is that we have to learn to be more patient for the past two years. I mean, I used to be able to tell my clients, oh, it's going to be a 10 to 12 weeks process to get through city approvals. These days, I can say 16, maybe, but I can't. I used to be able to prepare like very precise schedules 
Uh, I knew I was going to start design today, and in six months or now, give or take, depending on the size of the project, we will be permit ready. Now I need to tell my clients that in an ideal world, it would be six months. It could be a little bit more than that. So we we have we all have learned or to adapt. We just we just have to. There's there's no no choice. Um, yeah. You are listening to my conversation with architect Luis Murillo. We'll be right back. So listen, wallpaper is having a moment, a well-deserved moment that is allowing designers to craft and create in new and amazing ways. Convo by Design has a new partner this year. This partnership includes participation in our remote design house Tulsa project, of which you will be hearing a lot about this year. I've been working closely with an exclusive group of partners, and I am absolutely thrilled to be working with York Wall Coverings. This company has been crafting exquisite wall coverings for over a century, with an archive that dates back to the early 18th century. This deeply rich history provides inspiration for the future, and the designs available through the York Wall Covering Studio have long been lauded for their authenticity and craftsmanship. This art, artistry, and history combined with a commitment to continually reimagining the manufacturing process allows York Wall Coverings to provide a consistently exquisite product. For options and inspiration, find them online, yorkwallcoverings.com. You can also find their store locator tool online at yorkwallcoverings.com for a location near you. I find that so fascinating. What are your clients asking you for now? that maybe they weren't asking you for two and a half years ago? Asking for now, uh, that's, uh, um, you know, most of them, I don't think they are asking for anything different. Um, they, a lot of clients have just accepted the reality of things. I finished a project, this is interesting. I finished a project in El Segundo, I think it was in May 2021, and I went to visit their home in August to see how things were going. And you have this beautiful uh, uh, lounge for uh, uh, like a wine dining, ex- dining experience, and all the cabinetry is there, everything is great. And then their furniture is their camping chairs, and a, a Home Depot uh, <laughs> removable table. Like they're like, okay, well, yeah, we finished our home, but the furniture we ordered back in March 2020 is supposed to arrive in December 2021. But it's fine, you know, you have a beautiful home, and we will. They will jokingly telling me, we will, we will invite you for dinner as soon as we get our dining table. So a lot of them have just, you know, this is the reality of life. Things are just taking longer um, and they just uh, accept that. I had a project that also we, we started design in January, 2020. He said, I don't want to start construction until March, 2021. Now he knows that this, even though we submitted three months ago, thinking that we were going to be ready to start in March 2021. We already know it's not going to be March 1st, but maybe we are lucky May 15th. But he's like, you know, at the rate 
things are moving, uh, seeing so hard it is to get construction materials these days. It's fine if it gets delayed another month or two. We're in no hurry to start and then have to stop because we don't have enough hardware or or whatnot. So I think if anything, uh, people uh, has is, is more understand. Most people, I should say, is more understanding of how the processes take longer these days. Yeah, I think that most clients are understanding that the process does take longer, that it's going to be more expensive than they thought. Um, I think it's unfortunate that while the cost of design has increased 30 to 40% on average due to you know shipping and production costs tracing back to raw materials, that the designers and architects aren't necessarily the ones benefiting from the additional revenue. Um, you know, at some point there has to be some give and take because designers, architects are going to, you know, you still have to feed your families. You still have to deal with the, the increased cost of everything else. And I don't know a lot of other designers and architects that have been able to increase their rates just because at some point you, you get into, you know, how can we afford design? It's become so expensive now more expensive than many people have budgeted for over the past couple of years. But what I think is interesting in that regard is kind of to your point about how everyone's adapting to, to a new sort of cycle, how long things take and how much they're going to be. There's also sort of this renewed look at the high-low mix, where if you can't get something that is going to accent the project, on the high end that you really want, well, maybe you get all the other high end finishings that are that are coming and you go to Home Depot or Lowe's or Ikea and you get something, you know, maybe you go to West Elm RH, you go to some of these places where you can find things retail still and add to the overall design. I think there's more flexibility that's taken place there. But I'm also curious when I ask about what people are asking for, you know, I noticed one of your projects, a, a Hermosa Beach project where you have this seating area, this, this view, this vista that goes all the way out to the ocean. I think the, the home itself is probably on the east side of Sepulveda, but it's high enough up in the hills that you have this, this view from PV to Malibu that is absolutely stunning. And then there's an outdoor kitchen right outside. Mm -hmm. And I feel like those are the, those are the areas where the aspect of design, the changes are really starting to be felt that people are looking for an outdoor kitchen that competes with the indoor kitchen, as far as quality and, you know, fit and finish where um, the idea of wellness and spa like bathrooms are now the expectation, not just in a master or, or the master ensuite, but in, in all the bathrooms, you know, steam, um, warming drawers, as opposed to towel warming racks, just a lot of things that are taking place in design. And that's why I'm asking sort of, mm -hmm. what are they asking for now? You've got new issues where homes have to be smarter because you have more going on that's taxing the uh, IT infrastructure of the house. You've got more people living in it. You've got to wor worry about sound baffling and light control and air control and water control. I feel like our homes are being forced into, uh, at least on the residential side, forced into getting much smarter, much faster. 
Uh, yeah, you know, um, we are now spending a lot more time in our homes, or at least, you know, a good portion of well, most of 2020 and a lot of a good portion of 2021. So uh, I think what has what I, I've seen a big change is in the um, amount of renovation projects that have come to our office and uh, people living in their homes or working from their homes have made them realize how important it is to have, you were mentioning earlier, uh, good sound isolation between their home office spaces and the rest of the house. Um, there's more, an increased need for more elbow room with your forced quote unquote to live with your kids 24 <laughs> 7 and you're trying to get some work done so yes there's a lot more uh, need for additional space more uh, uh, comfortable spaces more natural life more sound isolation um, the indoor outdoor relationship though I feel that that's uh, something that has been part of the uh, design in California for many years for us. I mean, we are blessed here in California or at least in the Southern part of California with such beautiful weather that having an, a good indoor outdoor connection is fairly easy to accomplish because we are not dealing with this uh, extreme uh, climate temperature changes or changes right so we can easily do like nice outdoor kitchens we can have these huge uh, uh glass systems and then you open them up and now you have a one space that is indoor outdoor so so that part uh even though it, we have more requests for that now because of the pandemic, I feel that the indoor-outdoor connection has been part of the California design for quite some time now. Um, again, because of how beautiful the weather is out here. Yeah, no, it, absolutely true. I, I do think it's interesting, though, being a, a native Angelino uh, and Manhattan Beach being home. Uh -huh. I, I, will, I will tell you, it's interesting. Our, our home in Manhattan Beach was in the tree section. It was in 1956. Uh, uh -huh. one of those TRW bungalows, and we didn't have air conditioning. And when we first moved back in 2007, it was okay because it was, you know, it was two or three days a year that it was, it was hot enough down by the beach that yeah. we would, air conditioning would be comfortable. You know, 15 years later, it was three or four weeks where the temperatures were, were hot enough to warrant air conditioning. Um, you know, certain things that many people notice, many others don't is we were right on the fog line and the fog line has actually moved as the climate has changed. Uh -huh. So the, the fog line got further down to the beach. So we were further away from it, causing warmer temperatures. I think California is a, is a great example of, you know, the, the fires are now year round and that smoke affects anyone who lives there. Um, air quality issues, neighbor issues, because the homes are so close together. If you're working from home, you, you have to schedule 
the lawn mow the the uh, the yard maintenance and your neighbors tra- you know the trash trucks and when your neighbors are doing what they're doing right. what it's what it's done is it's created new and complex issues that are that are definitely felt more in places like LA, New York, Chicago, Atlanta, Miami, you know, denser cities, right? Mm-hmm. But I feel like many of these same issues affect affect everyone because the manner in which we live has changed so dramatically. And that's why, you know, I, I feel like it, there's a renaissance in, in architecture and design because everyone is living differently and we are being forced and it's forcing the futurists, you, to, to think differently about the work that you're doing. It's, it's got to be fundamentally different now than it was 15, 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Um, you were mentioning air conditioning, though. Um, uh, I have, I don't want to say 50-50%, but probably like 60-40. Uh, some homes, some homeowners don't go for air conditioning along the coast these days, not only because putting air conditioning units in the sun section in Manhattan Beach is a little difficult not being able to put your units inside yards and or the roof. Uh, um, but also because like you said, there's yeah, there's those two weeks of the year where it gets hot. But uh, some homeowners don't feel they need to have air conditioning. Uh, on their places. I guess as you move, it's interesting because when, and you're familiar with the area, west of Hawthorne is a different uh, climate than east of Hawthorne. <laughs> it's, uh, I mean, we live in Torrance actually, and, and it could be sunny and beautiful. And again, we are like 2.5 or maybe three miles from the coast, but we can drive half a mile west and it's all foggy. You, you get all ready for your beach day with your umbrellas and you drive half a mile that way. Where did the sun go? It's all foggy. <laughs> but um, but yeah, again, as far as uh, uh, climate controlling homes, not everyone is going for air conditioning these days uh, here in this part of town. Well, and, and it's funny, too, because anyone who's listening in Dallas, Texas or New York City or Miami, you know, yes, we're getting hyper local here for a second. Yes. But I but I also think it's really important because this idea of design, de- design is not is not a global endeavor. I, I feel like design, you know, talking to designers in different parts of Los Angeles is very, very different than talking with designers and architects in New York City, who, and it's much different for those in New York City than those in Houston. You know, air conditioning in Houston is not an option. As a matter of fact, you know, you talk about the indoor outdoor. I was speaking with an architect not too long ago who was explaining how they air conditioned their outdoor kitchen, which I just thought was fantastic <laughs> and ridiculous, but they found a need and, and the client wanted it and they figured out how to do it. So I, I do think that that's also getting really interesting is the manner in which you do your job these days is changing 
you know, materials are changing, appliances are changing, needs are changing, the idea of how we live is changing. It's got to be an exciting time to be an architect. <laughs> um, was, yeah, I mean, uh, this is somewhat related. Uh, we are designing kitchens these days, and I don't know if people is, is, is well, I guess people is taller now, but where we always thought that kitchen counters should be at 36 inches and we most kitchens are some clients want them to be at 37 and a half because that height is the new for some some of them is the new um comfortable for them but yet appliances a lot most of them are designed to fit in kitchens with counters at 36 inches. So that's just one other example of things that have uh, changed or that we have to think about uh, when uh, when designing uh, our homes. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, I, no, was, I was thinking about also you were saying about how you design differently in New York or other parts of the country. Uh, sometimes clients also have uh, uh, or bring to the table their own experiences from having lived in other parts of the world. Like I have some clients who used to, or who spend a significant amount of time in, in Scandinavia where space is, I guess, scarce and the buildings are so uh, dense that you have to use every square inch of your building for, for something and then they bring that to the table, like, okay, now we have this home here. We don't have the same restrictions, but we know that there are ways to optimize under every step of the stair, every little corner, there's room in there for a drawer, for my uh, cat litter, litter box. So, so some of them, some clients force you, even though we are not designing, in two overly dense parts of town, some clients do bring that background, forcing us to think of ways to use more efficiently the spaces based on their previous experiences. Yeah, and I think that those experiences um, are, are really, it's, it's almost like user-generated design in architecture where before it was, you know, here is what constitutes design and architecture and then it was built for the masses i feel like now it's sort of flipped a little bit where where need is back to driving form and function and i think i think because of that it's a it's an exciting time to be in the business luis this was so great i really do appreciate the time we spent today i can't i i can't wait to see some some of your additional projects and for those who are listening who want to see um luis's work please go to um go to the show notes and there will be a link to his project page on the website. So Luis, thank you for the time today. Just thank you so much for inviting me to your show. I look forward to maybe doing this some other time. <laughs> that would yeah. be great. It was That'd great. Be great. Thank you so much. I that was it. a lot of fun. If you've been listening to Convo by Design for a while now, you have heard me tell you about Article. Great style. Really, it's as simple as that with Article. 
things have been challenging for design professionals and their clients for, what, two years, two plus years now? You, you know this already. What you might not know is that it doesn't have to be if you're looking for exceptionally beautiful modern furniture. Article provides a simple and easy way to creating a beautiful modern space because Article works direct with their manufacturers on production of unique and stunning pieces. Then they work directly by providing this well-crafted design directly to you. This direct relationship means you aren't wondering where your furniture is and you're getting it for an incredible value. What could possibly be better than that? In many cases, the shipping is flat rate, which means no surprises right? Even more, their culture and service are rooted in their core values. Customer obsession, doing it differently, ownership mindset, winning together. If you're a designer, architect, or residential developer, you must check out their trade program. Discounts, special support, and exclusive perks. Article has the beautiful modern furniture you're looking for at an incredible price, at an incredible value, and you need to check them out. Check out article.com, or if you go to the show notes, there is a specific link which will take you, if you're in the trade, directly to their trade program. You have to see it to really believe it. Thank you, Article. Thank you, Luis. Thank you, Thermosol, Article, York Wall Coverings, Franz Wigner, and Moya Living for your partnership and support. You are remarkable partners and amazing allies for the trade. Thank you. And thank you for listening and subscribing to the podcast. I know you already know this, but there are literally hundreds of past episodes of Convo by Design that you probably haven't heard, especially if you're new to the show. So go back and check them out. I think you'll like them. Until next week, be well and take today first. Mm